Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I am your host, Michael Martin, and I am joined by a very special guest of Locked on Thunder, writing for Thunderous Intentions, Ryland Styles. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing all right. I mean, I don't know about you. I didn't stay up to watch that Canada game. I woke up this morning and watched it on a replay. I didn't check Twitter for any spoilers. Uh, did you stay up into the the late wee hours of the night? I did stay up into the late wee hours of the night, and uh, I wish I had watched it on replay. So you made the the wise choice. You're, you're a psychopath. Okay. Well, Canada ends up losing eighty six to ninety five to Serbia, and Serbia will go on to the gold medal game. Canada uh, will have an opportunity to play for the bronze, but just want to get your initial reactions from this game, if you can remember anything. So with with this game for for Team Canada, they just they got hit in the mouth early and never really recovered. They never really uh, were able to fight back in, in the game. It was one of those games where the stat line for like a guy like R.J. Barrett doesn't necessarily tell the full story. It looks better than it did in the box score where he wasn't as productive, had some timely, uh, you know, Team Canada as a whole had some timely uh, mistakes offensively. But ultimately, Serbia, they not, only, they, not only, they not only played really well, but they also saw themselves, of course, play well, but defended SGA the best that any team has at the FIBA World Cup. So when you do those two things, you're going to win the basketball game. But they also took advantage of all of Team Canada's mistakes, the the lack of rebounding, too many turnovers. Uh, they just were able to have the, the best game of their FIBO run uh, against Team Canada in the semifinals whenever they needed it. And Team Canada had some of their worst uh, game of their run where they just were exposed for not having a, a ton of uh, size inside and, and help inside on either end of the floor. Uh, again, SGA was limited in this game defensively. Great job by uh, Serbia. And at the end of the day, despite having more NBA firepower, uh, they just did not step up You know, in, in this game. Yeah. I mean, anytime that you're a team like Serbia and you can shoot 60% from the field and hold Shea to eight shots, you're going to feel pretty good. And then Shea obviously was a bit of a rough start when he had two early fouls and it felt like that kind of just threw off the entire rhythm for Team Canada. Yeah, the, the the foul trouble from everybody threw off the rhythm, but especially Shea, because this is a team that was not clicking well on all cylinders offensively, not even close to it. But then whenever you take out uh, you know, the, the the best player from Team Canada for certain stretches, then you just go completely ice cold uh, without without Shea on the floor. That hurts you a ton. So it, it just was not the right night for Team Canada. And, and I think that they were still the better team just whenever you look big picture wise. Uh, but on this night, Serbia was the better team. They were the better coach team. They were the better played team. Uh, the, the, they just had everything going right 
And so you got to give them credit for, for having that game whenever you absolutely have to. And I think that this is not some fluke. Like I, I don't think that this is as bad of a loss as it might appear to some people because look, right now they only have two guys, you know, that are in the NBA, Jovic and, uh, and Bogdanovich, but this Serbia team is going to be back in this same spot very routinely whenever you get healthy with Jokic and you get healthy with uh, Mitchich and then of course even Poku can help at the international level. So this is a good Serbia team and they, they proved it in this game and, and, and kind of came out with just better overall juice and energy than Team Canada did. Team Canada looked ex- incredibly gassed whereas Team Serbia looked uh, rested and just and, and just overall more ready to play which was a bit shocking because you would imagine that that Team Canada with Dort and Dylan Brooks and some of these guys would have had uh, the the first punch, but they didn't, and Serbia took advantage. I'm glad you mentioned Dort and Dylan Brooks because one of the things that stood out to me about Serbia was their ball pressure and just intensity throughout the game of just like full court pressure and really just being a nuisance and junking up the Canadian offense and wasting some time. So I thought that was interesting. And then this team just desperately needs Jamal Murray and just any other secondary playmaker. I know the size was a big deal and we can get to that later, but just if it wasn't Shea creating, it felt like it was just extremely tough for them. Yeah, they are going to love having Jamal Murray back eventually on Team Canada whenever he's healthy and able to play in the next go around of these international games. But I just think that with Team Canada, it was it was just a a a game where, and I I don't. I don't want to uh, disrespect Serbia. I've, I've called this an upset and a lot of people in the lockdown thunder comments have gotten upset for me calling it an upset, uh, but it was a game where, uh, like, like you said, you, despite having more NBA talent, Serbia looked like a team who not only had more energy, but, but had more intensity and, 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 and came out more prepared. Like, frankly, they were prepared to stop SGA and limit the, the, the best option on that team. And they talked after the game about how you know they they watched so much film on Team Canada and they were so wired up for this game and they accomplished all that they set out to do, including win the game, including downright to their individual goals of of creating a couple turnovers off of SGA, who had been so good at not turning the ball over uh, in FIBA, uh, you know, in during this run under two turnovers per game for SGA, one point four turnovers per game in FIBA. He had two tonight. Uh, against Serbia and, and that kind of set the tone right there whenever you're able to put him under such pressure so Serbia was just incredible in this game and that one he got just stripped right in the open floor just one-on-one I, I can't think of many times I've ever seen that happen to him yeah it, it was a it was a statement on that play and, and I think that that's I think that that's whenever uh, part of whenever Team Canada kind of got shell-shocked a little bit and they just were never able to recover from that. For everything we just spent, uh, you know, talking about earlier, I think that it ultimately falls on uh, Team Canada got punched in the mouth early. I think that they maybe were looking ahead, were maybe uh, counting their chickens, just like we were as fans of, hey, we're about to get this USA Team Canada great matchup Sunday. Uh, you know, they were the favorite to to uh, win this game. They were the second favorites to win the cup entering this tournament, and instead they got punched in the mouth early on and. Their head coach and 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 the leaders in this team never really got got settled down, and they never really even made a huge run or sustained run. There were times where it got back down to ten, like times where it got down to I believe it was seven or six, but 
immediately after that, Serbia then goes and swells the lead back up. So uh, they just, Canada never felt on solid footing in this game. And with, with all the NBA experience, you would imagine that that wouldn't be the case, but it certainly was. I will call it an upset. I will also, um, here's a reference, one of the best quotes from Russell Westbrook ever. I'll say that Serbia won this more than Canada just lost it. I think Serbia went and took this game. And, you know, we we talked about some of those things with their bigs. Canada, I just kept wanting, I was like, where are the bigs on this team? Where are the shooters? Like, where are some of these guys? And like, I'm on basketball reference. The only guys who are 6'9 or above from Canada currently playing in the NBA are Trey Lyles, Chris Boucher, Dwight Powell, Kelly Olenek, and Leonard Miller. But like, there's just not a giant crop of those guys. And then Shea, obviously, is not known for his three-point shooting. I mean, is R.J. Barrett or Kelly Olenek the best three-point shooter in that starting lineup? Yeah, Kelly Olenek was a disaster all yeah. FIBA tournament run. This was just brutal uh, to watch him play basketball. I am so glad that Sunday will be the last time I have to watch him play basketball for a couple of months because I need the break. Uh, from Kelly Olenek thinking that he can cook. So it, it's I, I do think that Serbia deserves a ton of credit for, yes, they won the game way more than Team Canada lost it. But as you mentioned, the, the lack of three-point shooting, the lack of creation outside of SGA, which is a little discouraging from uh, RJ Barrett. I, 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 in my opinion, at least I thought that this would be a stage where he could take a leap in that area with this specific team. But I don't want to sound like an old man, but Team Serbia played way more like a team and played way more like a unit than Canada did. And I think that that continuity and that um, that gave them the edge in, in this game. They, they were way more like a well-oiled basketball team and playing in unison and on the same page than Team Canada. And it helped them win the game just like it helped Germany, Germany upset USA. Well, I like the parallel between both of those because with Team Canada, they have a lot more talent, just like Team USA did. But I think those other teams were built better and constructed as a roster, as a team. Whereas, you know, as we know, basketball is not played on a piece of paper where you just look at names and go, oh, that team's good. You have to be able to overlap and mesh skills. And I think Serbia was great with that. I thought they were great at just um, using Shea's unselfishness against him. They were filtering him into drives and against multiple defenders that were waiting for him. Shea's making the right play, kicking it out, but the right play isn't always the right play when you're kicking it out to Dylan Brooks and RJ Barrett for three, even though they did shoot decently today. That's still something Serbia is going to live with and love all the time for that to be the result of a possession. Yeah, and, and it goes back with SGA, and, and Jadab has this in him too for the Thunder, but SGA is going to make the right play, and he's not necessarily going to force the issue. Uh, he, he's going to trust in his guys, and sometimes that trust is not rewarded uh, with timely makes and with timely uh, you know, production. But he, he does trust in his guys no matter which team he's playing on. And and where you see some guys will force the issue, and and even as they're smothered, they're still going to jack up their shots. He's going he's gonna to believe in making the right basketball play. And hopefully his teammates come through for him and it can loosen up the defense for himself. Uh, and that's kind of, I think, how he how he gets going offensively individually, too, is loosening up the defense by having his teammates come through for him by, by diagnosing the right play and passes and situations to, to, to play in throughout the course of a game. But, yeah, tonight was no different. He, he did not force the issue tonight. His stat line looks really, really, really good. 
but it, it, it cannot be, it cannot be undersold how well Serbia defended him. Yeah. And then another guy who played well, Shay's cousin, Nikhil Alexander Walker really impressed me. Um, not going to be an all-star in this league, but just, he feels very thundery and I just liked what I saw from him. And the Alexander Walker, I think is a thunder guy, not just because of his, uh, ties with, with SGA, but like you said, because of his versatility, uh, on, on defense, but also his, on his offensive versatility. I think that he can be a really good cutter and play finisher. And you've seen him, uh, hit the three ball, uh, including tonight, including, uh, throughout this FIBA run, uh, he hit the three ball pretty well at 42.2% from three. So I, I do think that he can have some of those thunder qualities and maybe down the line it could happen, but he did look very, very good. What about Lou Dort? I mean, the other Thunder player from this game, um, he's not starting, which is it's very well. I mean, it's not odd because you have Dylan Brooks and starting a lineup of Dylan Brooks and Lou Dort. I just can't imagine would be very high on their priority list. But what do you see from Lou? So Lou Dort in this game was just simply Lou Dort. And and that's been the story of his FIBA run, which honestly was a bit disappointing for me. I've been somebody who thinks that Lou Dort can um, enhance his role by reducing it. And and I think that he can look better uh, as you put better pieces around him. Because when you look at Lou Dort's game, yes, we know he is one of the worst finishers in the NBA. That's just a statistical fact. We also know, though, he's a really high-end defender. And for all of his struggles shooting the three ball, outside of his rookie year, he's consistently shot 40% or better from corner three-point land. So whenever you look at Lou Dort, the way that I've kind of defended his, his kind of offensive inefficiencies, the way that I've looked at that has been uh, that it's been more glaring for the Thunder because of their rebuild, because of like last year, last year's team. Yes, they had some good pieces, Josh Giddy, J-Dub around him and Shea, but, but J-Dub, for example, was not a, ultra aggressive, was not um, somebody who uh, you know hunted his own shot to where at some point, like we talked about with Team Canada, you need someone to help Shea hunt shots and just go try to get buckets. And so I, for me, I was looking at Lou Dort as, okay, once you add Chet Holmgren, once you get Jada more aggressive, then you reduce his role into stuff that you can just pigeonhole him into, say, being a corner three-point shooter and and making it count uh, from the corner and uh, being a 40% three-point shooter there as he has been his whole career, which in turn enhances his efficiency so much. And so I thought that coming into this FIBA tournament, surrounded by so many NBA players that he would start to fall into that role and and fall into that uh, ideology. And sadly, it looked like much of the same. Missed transition layups, still poor rim finishing uh, for Lou Dort, and and some streaky shooting at times as well. So there might be a case to be made that this was a small sample size and and, and maybe my thought process could be right still at, at the NBA level. There also is a thought process of maybe this is just Lou Dort. Like this is just who he is and you've got to live with it offensively. You've got to live with some of the bad misses at the rim for the sake of what he brings you defensively. Yeah. For Lou, we've had this conversation a lot. You and I, it's just about quality over quantity with him. And some of these shots that he takes are just not very high quality. And you figured in a, an environment like this and hopefully going into next year, some of those low quality shots would go down. But to me, it feels like it's just his 
number of shots is going down, but he's keeping around the same amount of just low quality shots. If that makes sense. If he's taking 14 shots for the Thunder and five of them are low quality, now it's he's taking eight for Team Canada and three are not great quality. So for him, it's just about being in the right spots. I like that you mentioned the quarter th- uh, corner three point shooting, but some of that goes back to hard to shoot corner threes if you're never in the corners. If you're always moving and trying to bring the ball up the floor and do other things that are sort of out of your realm. And I get that the Thunder are trying to develop players like Lou and give them more space to grow and give them more opportunity to see what they can do. But I think I'm leaning towards your side of this just might be who he is, which is still a nice player, but it's not exactly what Thunder fans probably are hoping he would, uh, you know, uh, peek at. Yeah, I think that this you can make the case that this is just who he is. And I think that one of my most intriguing questions for this Thunder season is going to be how the Thunder treat Lou Dort. Now, he's going to be a fixture of what they do. He's going to be someone that Mark loves and the Thunder love, and they're going to play him a lot and start him and and all those good things. But what you mentioned, I think, is going to be the biggest question for Lou Dort. How much do you want to try to develop him still and let him bring the ball to the floor, floor, let him experiment? as a driver, let him experiment with the ball in his hands versus is this the year where you kind of put your foot down, so to say, which might be the wrong term to use, but just relegate him to that kind of corner role and say, look, for the betterment of the flow of the offense or the betterment of even yourself statistically and making you more efficient, we're going to put you in spots that you are efficient in uh, instead of letting you have a a longer leash to do uh, some other stuff. So, So this year, I think, we're going to see how much of that was the product of the season. Because even last year, even while they were playing winning basketball, they still never sacrificed development and never sacrificed opportunity for young players for the sake of winning basketball games. And at some point, and it's it's it might not even be this year, but at some point down the line, uh, th- that sacrifice is going to flip to where you're more more so concerned about winning basketball games than prioritizing development entirely you know, entirely over everything. So with Lou Dort, I think that that time can come a little bit faster than it can come for other players because he's been in the league so long, because uh, he, he has those uh, now defined habits. And, you know, he's 24 years old. He still has room to grow, but it's getting to be time where it's just who Lou Dort is. And, and to this point, seeing him do, be Lou Dort at FIBA, I don't want to say it was disappointing because, like you said, it was it, he's still a really good player, even if this is just who he is. But I thought that maybe we could see a more efficient version of Lou Dort in the FIBA tournament, and we just didn't. It was just the same Lou Dort that we've always seen, which is still a really good player. Yeah, still time for him to figure it out. I mean, I'm going to trust Mark having his hands on him more than I do. No offense to the Canadian coaching staff, but in this environment and with a team that complements him a little bit more, I mean, the Thunder... No doubt, I think we'll probably have more shooting this Canadian team. If they don't, then we're in big trouble. But um, should be interesting going into next season. But on to the next matchup. We thought that it would be for the gold, but it instead it is for the bronze, and that is Team Canada versus Team USA. Just want to get your initial thoughts on that. I think it's going to be a fun game if if everyone goes for it because you know there's something different about having played these you know these two teams against each other with their respective NBA teams and some of that NBA beef that you that you grew up and then playing in the national you know arena for your countries uh, brings you some certain pride element especially for team Canada who's trying to just meddle in what is a still even though they were you know even though they fell short in the semifinals still a, a fantastic historic run for team Canada 
So like finishing it off strong will be huge for them. And then if you're Team USA, you don't want to be the team that just couldn't medal in the FIBA World Cup uh, if you're Team USA because of the history of USA basketball and, and what Team USA is supposed to be on the international scale uh, in terms of basketball. So I think it's going to be fun, and I think that it, it's it's going to be at the end of the day when the ball's tipped, it's going to still have that that same feel to it because of what's on the line for them. It's just simply one of these teams is not going to medal. And one of these teams is going to be a little bit more disappointed than the other. So I think that when the ball is tipped, it's going to be an all-out kind of a game that we want to see. Sadly, you're going to have to wake up at 3.45 to see it, though, instead of waking up at like 8 and letting it roll into your NFL Sunday. So it, it, it's going to be fun. I'm interested to see who plays. Like like Brandon Ingram, for example, was sick today. Is he, is he just going to shut it down and just not play Sunday for sure? Uh, for Team Canada, they looked extremely tired in this game today. Do any of those guys shut it down because of, of, of the fact that they're so gassed of playing over and over and over again uh, for this last month and a half or so? Uh, so I'm interested to see that aspect of it. But if we get just as healthy as can be USA versus Canada, it's still going to be a really good game, even though it's only for bronze. I think there's a highly likelihood that guys for Team USA will shut it down. This will be their first bronze since 2006 in Japan. FIBA and uh, FIBA basketball, Canada has never medaled, according to the FIBA history page. They have medaled once in the Olympics, but it was in 1936. So already this is the highest, um, even if they lose and get fourth, this would be the highest, um, I guess, finish they've ever had. Before that, it was um, sixth back in 1978 and 74. So this could be really interesting um, and it's going to be a big stage for Shea to play on. Yeah, a, a massive stage for Shea to play on. And uh, that's been one of my most uh, exciting developments of this run. Even, you know, that Luca game, for example. I'm not necessarily caught up in the fact that he beat Luca, right, in, 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 in that certain matchup. I'm more caught up in the fact of in this run, Shea has answered the questions. Like, for one, I don't, you know, I think that when the NBA season immediately ended for SGA, there were some people who, still had some reservations, maybe considered it maybe being a fluke or, or whatever. And he nipped that in the bud with this FIBA tournament run. Number two, there's also some people who believe, well, you know, Shea's going to come back down to earth because the Thunder, they just were overlooked and no one cared about playing the Thunder. And they just rolled the ball out there and saw what would happen. And he can't keep up this, this historic efficiency rate. He can't do this. He can't do that. He, he was getting away with that because he was on a team that was projected to do poorly. Well, in this FIBA tournament, whenever he has the second best odds to win the whole thing, whenever he has, uh, you know, a, a win or go home stakes, he drops back to back 30 point nights uh, this past week, including against Luka Doncic um, and, and, and including a 12 point comeback in the fourth quarter. So like he, he answered so many questions that national people had more so than Oklahoma city people had um, about SGA that it just gives you even more confidence to, to stand firm on the belief that that I think many people have in Oklahoma City that he's a he's a top ten player in, in the NBA and he he's one of those guys that, that you can really 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 build around. So this is yet another big stage for him uh, to to capture that that medal. Like you mentioned, it is bronze. It's not the goal that everybody wants, but this is still a massive deal. No offense to anyone alive in 1936 or whatever you said that this is going to be the first time they've ever medaled. So like this is going to be awesome for Team Canada if they can get this win and. I don't care if it's the Team USA D team, Team USA G team. I don't care. It, it is it is meaningful to beat USA in 
in in basketball. And, and so that's going to be another uh, chip on his shoulder uh, on Sunday as well. And m- much less if he if he gets loose for 30 points, which seeing Team USA's defense, I think that that's very, very, very likely to happen. And then you have another uh, uh, layer to it of him versus Anthony Edwards, which is a silly layer to it because uh, it's not as though those two guys have had beef together, but more so the two fan bases have had beef together with, with SGA and Anthony Edwards. So like that's another added element to, to this game one way or the other, much like the Luka Doncic SGA thing. So uh, this is going to still have a ton of stakes, even though it's for bronze and even though we wish it was for the gold. Yeah, this feels like, a matchup of some of the future premier guards in the NBA between Anthony Edwards and Shea. For Shea, like you mentioned, it was a big deal for him to get first team all NBA. And now for a lot of people, it's can you do it again? Can you defend this territory? Which is just as hard as getting up there. But I'm really interested, like you said, to see Anthony Edwards versus Shea. I think that we should just ban all uh, start bench cuts from uh, Twitter for a while. I'm, I'm done with those. Uh, but this should be very interesting. You have two guys who are like similar, like mentality, but their games just are completely different with a guy like Anthony Edwards, who's just like a dynamite athlete and Shea, who just does it in every single other way. Uh, Anthony Edwards is built like a linebacker. Shea is um, long and he's got uh, all the length and height. So should be interesting. What are you expecting between those two? Yeah, I, I think that with Shea, I would, I would expect him to just have a, a, a fantastic game. I, I don't see a world in which he doesn't. I don't see a world in which he doesn't have uh, 30 points, 10 assists, et cetera. I mean, the, the team USA gave up like 116 points in a 40-minute game today against Germany. And and, and no offense to Dennis Schroeder. Love him to death in Oklahoma City, but he's no SGA. And so SGA is going to get loose. With Lou Dort, I think that, you could see him and Dylan Brooks in the moments that they get to play together break Team USA because Team USA doesn't like to be heavily defended, especially not. I think that this Team USA team, uh, and this might be an unfair label to put on them, but they've treated this like it's a pickup you know, game, like like that viral clip of Devin Booker. That's like, why are we double teaming and pickup? Like they they've treated this as though like it's offensive that they get that they get defended hard and that they get a game like speed defensively. And so that I think that that lineups that have Lou Dort and Dylan Brooks on them for team Canada can actually be useful, even though you have to worry about if they're shooting the ball well, and if they can handle it offensively, but defensively, they can fluster the team USA guys to the point where uh, it, it could be, it can really offset and even, and even be a huge positive uh, for, for Canada because of what they bring you defensively against this specific Team USA team who hasn't even necessarily had the best chemistry uh, together offensively either. So uh, they've been able to score a lot of points, but it, it's not been just a well-oiled machine uh, for Steve Kerr and, and, and for Team USA. So I would honestly still pick Canada. I also think that for as much as we do acknowledge that like missing out on a medal would be embarrassing for these players, it's, let's just say it flat out. It it just means more for Team Canada, I think, to to win this game. It's like playing in the SEC, uh, but you know, I, I agree with you. We got to end the start bench cut stuff on Twitter. We got to bring respect back to basketball dialogue. Yeah, and the thing is, it's not just a medal. It's FIBA. It's not the Olympics. I think that the Americans, that's what most of the focus is on. That's whenever the big boys come and play. That's when you're going to get your Jason Tatum's, your Devin Booker's, Anthony Davis, all those guys coming back. So that should be interesting. Um, I wonder who's going to get the assignment guarding Shea the most between maybe Anthony Edwards, 
um, Mikhail Bridges, Josh Hart, and others. Who are you expecting to line up against Shea for most of the minutes? Yeah, you know, I could see I could see it whittled down to two options. I, I think if Team USA just wants to roll the ball out there and go, uh, you know, and and kind of kind of get it over with, so to say. Again, that's harsher words than you want to use, but just get it over with. They just, I think they just send Josh Hall, just Hart, Josh Hart out there and let Josh Hart do it. But I think that Anthony Edwards has some of that Shea in him where it's like, where it's like he doesn't want to be the leader of, of a Team USA team that didn't medal. He wants the challenge. He wants to embrace this opportunity. And I think that just like SGA, I think that he sees the stuff on social media. He sees the, the narratives around him, the narratives around Shea, uh, the accolades for Shea, and then the stuff that he's still hunting to get in his career. And I think that, that he could make it a statement to want to guard Shea. Now, will that work out for him? Uh, I don't think so, but I think that he could want to do it uh, and want to to to, to prove a to, to prove a point in this game. So I would say probably between those two guys to defend Shea uh, primarily, if I had to guess. But either way, I think that Josh Hart is a is a great defender, is a better defender to put on Shea than than Anthony Edwards is. But Anthony Edwards is a much better uh, popcorn you get your popcorn ready defender on SGA. So can't really lose as basketball fans on who they're going to put on SGA going to be very interesting. I, I'm not staying up for that one either. I will be waking up in the morning with a cup of coffee and watching it um, peacefully and not in the wee hours like you uh, did with last night's game. But it's going to be interesting with those guys matching up. And this might sound kind of lame or weird or off for me to say this, but this could be a coming out party for Shea in a lot of ways for a lot of people who didn't watch the Thunder. They weren't didn't have a lot of national TV games. There are people who see that he got first team all NBA, and that's where a lot of this discussion has come uh, from with the Anthony Edwards discussions and things like that is they're just not super familiar with his game. So I think this could be, like we mentioned, a big stage for Shea where he could really put a stamp on it of, you know, I am one of the best players in the world. For sure. And I think that it might sound crazy in our bubble of like Oklahoma City and Thunder fans and everything else. But even casual fans that are like that I talk to in my personal life, like they still care about what Team USA is doing right now. Like, the, like they're Thunder fans, they're 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 you know, Mavericks fans, Thunder fans, whatever. They don't necessarily care what Luca's doing or Shea's doing, but they still ask me like, "Hey, how's Team USA looking? How they lose? Why they lose? I thought that we were the best in the world, whatever, whatever." So like people, for as unserious as the NBA athletes are taking Team USA and FIBA, people still care about it. Who are casual basketball observers to where. When they go look at the highlights, when they go look at this game, uh, probably not going to be many of them that stay up and watch it at 3.45 a.m., but whenever you look at Twitter and you look at the highlights and you, and you look at the game recap, if Shea had a phenomenal game, it's going to really be jarring to them, I think, uh, because, uh, like you said, didn't get, didn't get a ton of national exposure um, last season for as good as he was. Uh, but in general, this is going to be a, a game where I think that Shea will dominate again, the Team USA has not limited anyone defensively. I don't see how you're going to limit Shea. Uh, and I just think that Team Canada has the edge just, just in terms of want to motor all the moxie and all the other stuff you want to say, buzzwords you want to say about, about winning games. I think that Team Canada will care more. But yeah, this is a massive opportunity for Shea's platform. And, and one other thing would be his off-the-court brand. You're gonna. You mean to tell me that if that if Team Canada beats USA Sunday, there's not gonna be an immediate Instagram post about some caption about meddling and beating USA and everything? There absolutely will be. And so when those same casual fans 
uh, and I don't use casual as a negative term. Like it, it, whenever those fans who who weren't abreast of what the Thunder were doing last year as a 40 win team, still below 500, still not having a ton of national television games, when those fans see Shea's highlights and then go look them up uh, on on Instagram and social media, and they see his little caption, and then they go read that he's been doing this a long time on the caption stuff, that just continues to enhance uh, kind of who he is as a player on and off the court, which is a big deal nowadays. Like nowadays, it's not just enough to go be a dominant basketball player. Like fans, fans want that side, uh, you know, that, that accessibility to their superstars. And Shea is trying to give it to, to fans. It's, it's going to uh, just take the NBA promoting him. And they've done a much better job of that this off season, as we've seen with the 2K campaigns, with the, with the uh, uh, commercials he's been in. And now with the schedule release and the, and the uptick of national televised games as well. So uh, it, it's going to be a, a very important game for Shea. Uh, in terms of build, building out that Q rating from just NBA fans in general. Yeah, with Shea, like you mentioned, his brand and fans wanting more, it almost reminds me of like pro wrestling where you don't want the guy who just does all the moves. You want somebody who can talk on the mic and who has like all the uh, shenanigans and dresses crazy and things like that. They don't just want a regular Joe. They want someone who does a bunch of things. And then, like you mentioned, this could be a big stage for Shea if he wins. And if they win... And he has 30, 10, and 5 or something around that range. The story will not be Canada beat Team USA. It'll be Shea beat Team USA. And it's not just the um, hype that will come from that, but it's all the national pundits who will come out and start talking about it. ESPN um, and NBA Today, Bill Simmons, Zach Lowe, The Athletic, every like national outlet is going to pipe this stuff in and talk about it. And that's, I think, where it really comes in, where Shea is going to get a lot of the credit that he probably is vying for. Yeah, Tim Bombtems, if he beats Team USA, will not be on an island anymore talking about SGA. Because I think that for the two losses that Team Canada suffered this this FIBA World Cup, had they, if they win, Team USA, of course, will only have two losses. Uh, both of them are excusable and will be made excuses for Shea. Of like, in this game tonight, for example, I mean, what what more could he have done tonight to, to have them win this game? I mean, there's nothing else he could have done. Uh, it was just not Canada's night, and his teammates didn't produce, and you had the Kelly Olenek show. This was a flawed roster. Uh, and so uh, you can put down the the losing, and, and we've already highlighted it over and over again on this podcast how important meddling would be in general. And so Shea being the leader and the undisputed best player on this Canada team that medals for the first time since 1930-whatever uh, will be a massive deal, like you said, from Zach Lowe to every national outlet out there. And so he will get the exposure on social media. He'll get the exposure on all the media that basketball fans consume. And it will just it will just catapult him into next season, uh, and, and it'll it'll give him a leg up in the inside lane on repeating on those accolades that he accumulated last year. Uh, for for as much as he didn't have that spotlight on him, he still finished top five in MVP voting. He still finished first team All NBA. He still got his first All Star appearance. Uh, so like uh, th- that that can only grow from here, and he's only gotten better I think than from last year. So uh, that plus the team success around that you project to get better as well from 40 wins. It's going to be a really, really exciting season, and, and I think it's going to be the most exciting season and the most anticipated season uh, since the OK3 year uh, this year. So that's that's now a de- half decade, uh, you know, six, seven years now uh, in the rear view. We're getting old, but uh, I, I think that this is going to be a very important game for Shea's Q rating. Not that like if he loses it, it's any detriment, but if he wins it, he has a lot to gain from it. He has a lot to gain if he loses, unless it's just some disaster. I don't think he can lose any ground in the minds of people who are open to it. I mean, they're going to be the stands who are going to, no matter what you do, if you 
lose a game, they're going to pile on you, but you weren't changing those people's opinions anyways. You mentioned the OK3 year. Did you notice Olympic legend and Thunder legend Carmelo Anthony at the the Serbia uh, the Serbia Canada game? I did. They had they had all the stars out there. They had Carmelo. They had Pau Gasol. They had Sue Bird. They had they had a lot of legends. Uh, I think that Dirk was at the Germany game, obviously. Uh, so that was awesome for him to get the witness uh, team Germany uh, get the massive upset win over Team USA. I, I I think that it's great that that you know these legends of the game have really embraced FIBA and the FIBA World Cup because you mentioned it's easy to, it's easy to get up for the Olympics. You've got to kind of embrace the FIBA World Cup. Uh, and I think that it can draw parallels to the, in, you know, the in-season tournament. Like it's going to take legends of the game to embrace this in-season tournament, tell NBA fans it's cool. And then NBA fans and players will follow suit as long as you embrace it. Now, if you treat it like some Mickey Mouse, just stupid gimmick, then that's how it's going to get treated by everyone else as well. So uh, I think it's really cool. And it means a lot that like the, the, the growers of the game, the ambassadors of the game, the legends of the game, are reinvesting into FIBA and not just waiting around for the Olympics. Well, I know the Thunder Buddies and Locked on Thunder both have a uh, worldwide audience, but it's mostly Americans. And I, I hope we're not being accused of treason or being traitors the way we're talking about this. But the last question I'll ask you is, what do you think Canada needs to do to get a win in this game? Show up. I, I'm that far down on Team USA right now because they don't play any defense. Like, uh, I, I would say, honestly, let Shea get 40 points and just harass everyone else. And, and that might sound counterintuitive because uh, you would imagine that, you know, everyone else can't beat you. But to me, the, the Team USA squad does not have the defender or the firepower to, to stop Shea. They couldn't stop Dennis Schroeder. But they do have the firepower, length, and size to stop Kelly Olenek, to stop Dylan Brooks, to stop Lou Dort, to stop Nikhil Alexander-Walker. So let's say score 40. Team USA goes and scores, you know, 130, and they win the game and they medal and everything's okay. So, like, I think that uh, for Team USA, the, the the goal is to not let anyone else get hot besides Shea. And for t- t- Team Canada, if Dylan Brooks is hitting his threes, if Lou Dort goes, goes three for four from three, and by the way, Lou Dort's been pretty impressive, as we've seen in OKC, whenever he's played in games like this, like the play in game against new Orleans, like the game seven against the Rockets. Uh, so like he, he can get hot in these meaningful games. Uh, so like, it's going to come down to that to me, it's going to come down to are these swing players like Kelly Olenek, who's at times look like a complete disaster. Are these players going to play well for Canada or not? Because even Shea getting 40 points, uh, might not be enough to just out muscle, uh, and, and, and outscore a, a, a larger complement of scores on Team USA. So uh, to me, it's just, if I was Team USA, if I was Steve Kerr, I would just send the hounds on everybody else and just let Shea do Shea things because uh, at the end of the day, you want to shoot out because I don't know if Team Canada can keep can keep enough pace with, with, with who they have beside Shea. This American defense sounds less like Team USA and more like the whole Harlem Globetrotters right now. Oh, it, it is bad. It is Swiss cheese over there. Well, for Canada, I'd, I'd say much of the same is play with a lot of physicality. Let Lou Dort and Dylan Brooks just muck the game up and beat up those guys for the U.S. And for Shea, he's got to go into more takeover mode. Cannot you have no chance if you take eight shots again in this game like you did against Serbia. You got to get to the mid 20s or something like that. And I'm expecting or hoping for a 
Kobe style game from Shea where it's like, I'm going down on my sword. I am shooting this. I'm shooting a bunch of times and we're either losing because I shot a lot or we're winning because I shot this many times. Yeah, I I, I want that type of game for Shea. And it's going to sound stupid. And like, I'm not meaning this in any sort of homerish way. I want that sort of game just to prove that he'll do it. Even if, even if he fails, like even if he goes out there and he presses the issue and he, and he is quote unquote selfish and he, and he, and he does hunt his own shot and his own opportunity over making the perfect play. I want to see Shea do that. Cause it's going it, to, that's what it's going to take to win basketball games in the NBA at times is your, is your superstar taking a good shot or even taking an average shot and looking off another player on that team who has a great shot. So at some point, your superstar has to be willing to take average or below average shots and make them, which we've seen Shea do at the NBA level. So I just want to see him take over the game in general, even if he comes up short. But I think that will end up coming up big, uh, especially against uh, the Team USA defense, which I just continue to belittle on this podcast. But uh, it's going to be a fun game. I really do think that uh, when the ball's in the air, no one will know the difference that's for bronze and not gold. Sometimes you got to force the issue. I'm, I'm immediately thought about the game seven between Toronto and Philadelphia, the Kawhi double bounce shot. Do you know how many shots Kawhi took in that game? How many? 39. The next closest on the team was 13. I love it. Sometimes you got to press the issue and we are pressing the issue that you need to listen to both our podcasts. Rylan, thank you so much for coming on with me. Do you have anything to plug before we get out of here? I appreciate you having me on. Go check out Lockdown Thunder. Check out Thunder's Intentions. We can catch some of Michael Martin's writings as well. If you like his his podcast, you're going to like his articles as well. And, of course, check out Thunder Buddies. And, Joe, have fun in Arizona. Go Pokes or whatever they say. Whatever they say. <laughs> well, thanks, Ryland, for coming on with me. Thank you all for listening to Thunder Buddies podcast. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment, rate us five stars on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a description. It really helps us out. And we will be back on Tuesday for some more Thunder Talk. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.